Amen. Well, now we get to introduce Christopher. You For all of you who don't know them, this is Chris Ballant. He is our lovely youth pastor for junior high and high school ministries. Give it up. Come on. There we go. Um, Chris is an amazing human who absolutely adores kids and the generations. It is his heart and his passion to just love on them and to be authentic with them and to recognize what they're going through no matter what piece of life is for them at this moment, whether it's the highest of the highs or the lowest of the lows. And it is our great pleasure to be able to listen to him this morning, talk about the generations. I listened to it in first service and it was pretty good. I was pretty happy with it. I was like, yeah, you go, Chris. You go, dude. He was you did a really good job, and it convicted several prices in me that was really good. So I am excited for all of you to be able to experience that. We love you. Yeah, love you too, girl. We do love you. He is a faithful servant, and he loves the generations. And so listen to what he has to say, because he speaks it with authority. Thank you, Chris. Love you too. Appreciate it. I get to hang out with those, those two all the time. Wouldn't you love to have that, huh, huh? That's awesome. I am Chris. Uh, if we haven't had the privilege of meeting, uh, you can change that. So come on down after we're all done this morning and say hi, I, I love it. Uh, I do love the generations. Uh, generations maybe I'm most fond of are the ones I hang out with and I work with, uh, junior high and high school. And so, so I have no, there's no shame or, or arguments about that. I, I'm in, I'm all in. Uh, we're going to look at this passage um, this morning out of Psalms, and, and, uh, and it's really good. <laughs> Sorry, it's really good. It's been changing me throughout this entire week. I've been praying it, uh, this psalm, uh, since last Sunday. I finished, I finished up this Sunday at my desk this morning. And uh, I'm really looking forward to being able to introduce you to it here in just a minute. But um, I was in high school. It was uh, probably my sophomore year when it all started. But uh, I was a newbie. I, we, were, we were fairly new to the community, uh, my family and I. We were definitely new to the church. And I was really new to Jesus. Uh, Jesus and I were just starting to get to know each other. Uh, I just started following him, and and I didn't know anything, <laughs> like nothing. And there was this guy by the name of Cal Walker, uh, who randomly showed up in my life one day. It was a Sunday morning. He, to, from my perspective, he just appeared, and and he asked me my name. Well, he introduced himself, and then he asked, asked me my name, asked me where I went to school, a couple real softball questions, really easy for anybody to answer, and, and then went on to talk about a couple things. I wish I could tell you what those things were, but I can't. The thing about him, though, is that it became, it became a thing. Like he continued to show up in my life. I wish it would, I, I can't tell you that it was every two weeks, pretty much guarantee it wasn't. But probably once a month, every six weeks or whatever, on a Sunday morning, he would find me and he would talk to me. And it wasn't the same question about who, who are you and where you go to school. We got past that part. But, but it was about the things going on in my life. And one of the things I do remember is that he always left me, and it was this weird, subtle way, at least to me, 
of leaving me with a nugget, a nugget of truth, of wisdom that encouraged me in my faith, pointed me towards God, and that's Cal Walker. I, I wish I could tell you a ton more, but I can't. I, I do know that he eventually met my, my parents, uh, who were actually in the house this morning, and so that's a privilege and honor for me. They actually, up until, uh, up until right now, they've never heard me preach before. So, so, so this is really awesome this morning, and no pressure. But, uh, but, but the thing is, he wasn't abrasive, he wasn't pushy, but he was really purposeful. And that came across so clear to me. And, and he invited my, he eventually figured out who my parents were, invited us over, I know, one time for like Christmas dinner because we were still fairly new to the community, got a chance to see his family, got a chance to see his life. And most of the time, to be totally honest with you, I don't think he would notice. He, he knew I was watching. He was, I was watching him sit where you're sitting and seeing how he worshiped, whether he paid attention during the message, no pressure for you, <laughs> but, but, like, but it mattered to me. I was figuring this whole thing out with Jesus, and I'm like, does any of this matter? Like, 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 how does this work out in my life? I was watching him talk to people in the, in the hallway, in the foyer, through, walk up and down the aisles. I watched it all. I watched when his kids would run up to him, and he'd say hi to him after Sunday school. All I know is this, that I want to be like him. I want to be like Cal Walker. I want, I want, to, I want to meet people. I want to say hi to people on Sunday mornings out on the streets. And I want to drop, I want them to know that they're valued and they're cared for. And then maybe every once in a while, I'll drop them a little nugget of truth, a little bit of wisdom, a little bit of something that points them towards God. So we're speaking about the kingdom today. Why? Because Cal Walker was probably one of the first people who made me feel like I was a part of the kingdom, that I belonged in the kingdom, that I belonged to the church, not just in it, that I was one of, not just someone off to the side. And so we've been, we've been in this series called Lessons from Three Kings. Uh, we just said goodbye to Saul. Uh, he's, he is goodbye. Uh, we just buried him last week, and, and now we're on to what's next for the to-be King David this prince, this king of Israel, right? And I, was, I, I have been learning a lot from this. First off, prince, not king. I mean, we call him king from our horizontal perspective, but from God's perspective, God's the true king, and he's, he's the prince that he put in charge. So that's a beautiful lesson, but there's been a few other things that I thought I'd highlight really quick uh, that I've been learning, and so I think hopefully we've all been learning, but we've been learning that being anointed does not remove the brokenness in our humanity. I'm going to let that sit for one second there. Yeah, or five. Being anointed does not remove the brokenness in our humanity. I've also been learning about uh, David's tagline that he's a man after God's own heart, which means that he loved God, which also does not mean that he never failed. And another thing that I know, at least I've been learning, that uh, this means he encountered God too. Which leads us to this awesome psalm this morning, Psalm 145. It's actually better known as, in the Jewish, Jewish culture and Jewish setting, it's actually known as the Ashray. 
I wish I could tell you its exact meaning, but this is the best I've been able to figure out as I've studied it. It says, it basically means to experience the presence of God here. Or you can take out here and say now. To experience the presence of God here and now. Uh, we're going to go ahead and read it. But this is a beautiful psalm that was meant to be read at least once a day, typically in the morning. But I found out later on this week that it's actually read traditionally three times a day. Three times a day. So we're not going to read the whole thing. We're going to read this one section of it. But, uh, but you'll, get the, you'll get a sense of the gushing that, that David is doing on God. And uh, let's do this right now. I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. And I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. And I will proclaim your greatness. Yeah, that is an amen and a yes, yes to that. So as I've been studying this and reading it every, every day for sure over the last week, but really over the last couple weeks as I've been going through this, this, there's a section of scripture in the Old Testament that David would have been familiar with, that every Jew on the planet who knows anything about God and the scriptures would be familiar with, and it, it's, it's called the Shema. It's at Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 through 7, and it's this, this prayer it's a daily prayer as well that, that the Jews pray, um, but it's called the Shema. And I thought I could explain this to you, but these guys do it so much better. We've got the Bible Project guys, and we're going to watch a quick clip, and, and they'll tell you a little bit about the Shema, and we'll get to it. And then their parents were to the covenant. He reminds them of the Ten Commandments, and then the centerpiece of the section is a famous line called the Shema. Moses says, listen, Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. This became a very important daily prayer in Judaism, and it brings all of the themes of the book together. So the word listen, or shema in Hebrew, it means much more than just to hear. Its meaning includes responding to what you hear, or in English we would say obey. And the word love in Hebrew also means much more than just an emotion or feeling. It's about a decision of wholehearted devotion to God that involves your will and your emotions, your mind and your heart. Now, for Israel, their obedience and devotion to God served a much larger purpose. Obedience to the laws is going to make Israel a unique people among the nations. Just like God said at Mount Sinai, they will become a kingdom of priests. And Moses now says, how? Israel has the chance, by following the laws, to show the whole world the wisdom and the justice of God. The other key idea in the Shema is that Israel was called to obey and be devoted to the Lord alone. Or literally, in Hebrew, it says, the Lord is one. Now, in context, the point is that the Lord is the one God Israel is to worship and obey. 
Israel's about to go into the land of Canaan, where people worship idol gods that represent all different aspects of creation, the sun, the weather, sex, and war. And in Moses' view, worshiping these gods degrades humans and destroys communities. But worshiping the God of Israel, who's the creator and the redeemer, that will lead to life and blessing. Check. Hey, I'm back. <laughs> so so the, the Shema and the Ashray have a ton in common. They actually almost take the exact same format. And, and basically it breaks down like this. You have God, and then you have what he has said and the stories of what he's done. Um, uh, uh, in us and, and, and on us and through us and, and, and uh, how that's happened in our daily experience. And then we've got others. God, our experience, and others. And uh, this all made me think about our, our, our Savior and our God, Jesus. And I went, huh, here's, I remember this passage of Scripture, this thing that Jesus said, he got quoted saying, that sounds really familiar to all this. So Matthew 22, verses um, 37 through 39, and it says this, that uh, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and this is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. There you go. You guys can take a look at that. You've got God, and somewhere in there in the love, love thing with God, you've got this experience happening that's affecting your heart and your mind, your very being, and then you've got loving your neighbors, others besides yourself. There's a connection. And I don't know about you, but as I was looking through all of this and learning this and studying this, I'm like, uh, we're on repeat right now. <laughs> like, like uh, it's also a little redundant. Like, God, what, what's going on here? And the, that's the point. The whole point is, yeah, I'm going to be redundant with you. Why? Because this is really important. I want to make sure if you get nothing else in life, you get this down. God experience other people. Let's keep it simple. God experience other people. And so that's what we're going to do. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And, and, and what I want to encourage us to do, and hopefully by the time we arrive at this, there's a couple of things that we land on. That we need to and we should experience God at a private, personal level and then make him public. So let's do it. Experience God for ourselves. How do we do that? David in, uh, in this Psalm 145 verse 1 says, it's right there, we should exalt him. We should exalt you, God, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. Here's the deal with this. It means exalt. It's really simple. To place on high. There it is to make sure that God is lifted up. Why? Again, this is all super simple. So you can see him better. 
Like, right? Like, when something's above everything else, can't, aren't you looking at that? Don't you see that? I, did, I was doing this first service, like, like, here's this mug. And if you're like me, your eyes just went straight to the mug. I don't even know why I do that, I, but I do it. We'll go straight to the mug. You're no longer looking at my beautiful face, my awesome black shirt, like it's not happening. You're looking at the mug right now because that's the most lifted thing. And so David's learned somewhere along the line in his life that God above everything else is you. Above everyone else is you. Above my position, above my family, above you name it, it's you. So what about you? What about me? Do we see God that clearly in our daily lives? Or the pressures of assignments at work and at school, pressing in on us, coming down on us? How about the demands of our goals, our family, our friends? Do they keep bombarding our minds and our time and our hearts? This is why David writes about the necessity of purposefully keeping things in the right places. God stays in a high position of authority in our lives so we can see him. And how does, how does David make sure this happens? Well, Psalm 145 verse 2. It says this, I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Amen. Yeah, amen to that. I will praise you forever. David gives warm approval. That's literally in the English how we describe praise. Literally gives warm approval to God every day. The most significant, the most mundane moments, God gets praised. All of it. God's, uh, David says he makes it a point to honor and praise God every day. Why does David choose to do this? Why would you and I choose to do this? It's because David is believing God is at work every day and so he deserves it. And honestly, I'm gonna throw this in for bonus. He secretly knows that it's good for him. There's a change that happens in his life when this happens. So let's just go through a couple of things that we've learned so far, or at least I picked up on from our series about ways that God has worked in him every day. Uh, how about this one? Like being strengthened by God for protecting himself and his sheep from lions and bears. And not only protecting him, but also Israel uh, from a giant warrior called Goliath. There's one. Or how about this? David with 400 men winning battles against established armies despite being outnumbered and let's be real, outskilled. They were, <laughs> they were pretty raw and, and not organized. <laughs> so this is clearly God doing something here. Or this one, this is the one that really gets me. Or teaching David about the timing and honor of the anointed. Every day. So of course God is great. Uh, in David's mind and his heart because he's seen God's mighty deeds, mighty works in his life. He has experienced God in real life. He's, he's in, he, these encounters have changed him. They've shaped his thinking. They've changed 
the way he says things and he does things, and we get Psalms, like 145. So we're back to another question. What about you and your life? Can you name some of the great things God has done for you? Have those things moved you to bless God every day with meaning and purpose? So I will go out on the limb and tell you a couple of mine because this question is not just for you, it's for me too. Like, have I encountered God and has it changed me? Yes. Like for me, the time just a couple years ago, I was standing up here declaring that God healed my knee from the prayers of junior hires. My MCL was all tore up. I had just gone to a doctor's appointment the very next day I got healed. <laughs> like, there was no doubt that was God because that doctor looked at me and said, you're still pretty messed up. <laughs> and I said, yes, I am. It kill it's killing me. That time when money was dropped through my, my family's mail slot and it was enough to pay our bills. The time when I was reading through the scriptures and they convicted me about my self-loathing pride. Every day, God is available. Every day, God will have an experience with you. Every day, you can have an encounter. But there's a second part to this experience with God, right? It's supposed to go from personal to public, so that's what we're going to do. Psalm 145, verse 4, says this, and my scriptures want to run away from me. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. David says, when we've been experiencing God, it's time to pass it along to the next generation, to tell God's stories. And only then, you, uh, and only then will you and I be able to speak with authority. That authority comes when we have experiences with God. So here's the deal. When you have experiences with God, you speak with authority, and guess what happens? It is no longer just religious noise. It's real. And the person who is hearing that from you and receiving that from you or watching you like I did with Cal, they know something is different. If we don't truly love God and experience God first, we can't do this next thing. We just can't. And that's what, um, and that's, <laughs> sorry, this is the hard part. <laughs> and that's what I've been, I think we've been getting wrong for, for quite a while here as Christians, at least American Christians. We've missed this. And I, I know I'm speaking generally, but I'm just going to say it. We want to pass on our faith or our Christianity, but we're not letting Jesus be king over our own lives. How do we engage the next generation if that doesn't change? The next generation has been steadily walking away from the church, from services, from weekly youth gatherings at an alarming rate. It has really picked up over the last 10 years. I'm lowballing this, and I, I am genuinely lowballing this just for, for, for the light, lighter sense of the blow. 80% is the number of those that attend don't come back. And those are regulars. 
Those aren't the, the, the random stop buys. These are frequent flyers. And let me say this, I don't believe that they're actually walking away from God. I don't. I hang out with them. I know better. But I think they, they're walk, they walk away from those of us who don't look anything like him. So what do we do? Because I don't know if you're like me, I want to do something. I don't want this to be the trend. We live out our God experiences in front of them and we share God's stories with them. Again, it's just, we're just going to keep it simple. It's not meant to be complex. Young people in the church are hungry. And, and I'm gonna, I said in the church, but I mean everywhere. There are young people out there that are hungry for real and messy faith. They are. They're looking for connection. They want to be loved on. And, and the reality is that shouldn't be hard for any of us to understand because don't we all? So what do we do with that? Again, we live out our God experiences in front of them. We share God's stories. It's important to experience and love God so the next generation can see it. The next generation is watching, and the truth is they're making decisions about God based on everything that we, they hear and they see from us. So I want to look at you right now in the eyes and say this. No pressure, okay? And I'm not being sarcastic. It's not just you individually, even though it is you individually. It's all of us, me included. They're watching you, they're watching me. So let's do this thing together. When one of us falls, that's all right. The other one's picking us up and the other one's picking them up. And uh, you guys are gonna have to be gracious with me, forgive me, but I don't have a better term for it and I personally like it. Because uh, I think it makes a lot of sense that this generation has what I call a BS meter. They, they have this meter, and, and I actually believe it's from God to, uh, that, that they need for this world. They, they, um, they can tell when something's not authentic or real. If it's not, they pick up on it really quick. So here's the thing. They may not choose to actually pick up on it or, or stay away from it. That's a whole message for another time. But they sense when something doesn't match up or go together. So again, young people are listening and they're watching us. So the question is, what are they hearing? They're listening and they're watching us. Praise God, but maybe also curse people. James 3.10 talks about that. Maybe they hear us declare the truth about God and then tell a small little lie about what we did this last weekend. Or they hear us say we love one another and then watch us turn around and constantly do things that really only benefit ourselves. And there's a ton of scripture on that. James 4, Philippians 2, like the list goes on. But the the thing is that there's a theme here. There's a pattern in Psalm 145. One generation has seen and experienced God. The next generation responds to their testimony. And in the middle, we get God's goodness in our own lives. 
which made me think about some older women in my life. Back when I was in high school at the same church, we had some older women that would stop me, that would ask me my name, and then they would bless me, pray for me, talk to me about Jesus, have all these God stories. And I would love to tell you I was that awesome high schooler who was always paying attention super well and heard everything and remember every story they ever told me, but I don't. But I remember them. I can still see some of their faces I, I, right now. And they saw a kid walking through the foyer of the church, gently grabbed him by the arm and said, hey, what's your name? Where do you go to school? Wow, that's amazing. What's going on in your life? Oh, yeah. God has done this, that, and the other thing in my life. Oh. You want to know the impact that that has on somebody? Here I am. I'm standing on the stage today. And I'm not saying you have to be on the stage. You could be a they could, the next one could be a construction worker telling their buddies about Jesus or, or whoever, right? But they did it. And the one that sticks out to me the most, my best friend in high school, he would come to services faithfully every Sunday with me. He came from a divorced home. No one were believers in his house, his family. Not his dad's side, not his mom's side, not his brother's. And he came. Came to church. Services. He, he, he was in. He walked to Jesus. And he wanted to grow just like me and no more. And guess what? You know where most of his encouragement came from? The same older women in the church. Six foot two, 16, 17 year old, leaning over to like some five foot... 80-year-old woman, listening as hard as he could, hanging on every single word. And I know he was hanging on every single word because we would talk about it afterwards. The guy who couldn't remember and the guy who couldn't forget. It wouldn't for because, because it mattered to him. It was life and death for him. So there are a bunch of 30 and 40-year-olds running around this country that that church walked with. That previous generation loved God and loved others really, really well. And there's a lot to show for it. And I think it may have taken some courage to do it. And what's funny is this really small act, but it changed a ton of lives. And we have some really incredible older women and men in this church, but I was just thinking about some of our older women and, and these older women who volunteer uh, uh, in our office and sometimes greet at the door. Maybe you saw one of them this morning. Let me tell you, they have God's stories. <laughs> they share it with us all the time in the office, all the time. And so if you're out there this morning, I want to tell you, thank you so much for sharing and keep it up. Yeah, give him a hand. It is okay. And here's my challenge to you. 
Go find 20-somethings and on down. I mean, it can be anybody, but I'm just thinking of younger generations. Go find the 20-somethings. Go find, go find the high schoolers. Go find the junior hires and share those God stories with them. Unapologetically, do it. You have something to share. Take it to them. They will be better for it. Men in this church, same thing with you. Don't, don't hold back. Don't hesitate. To all of you of the next generation, because I have not talked to you yet really this morning, I want to say a couple of things, and it's this. I know you're often discontent with what you see, tired of how what you hear and what you see doesn't seem to match up. So I'm saying on behalf of us, I'm sorry that we don't always get it right. <laughs> We're we're not always being authentic. And then here comes the challenging part for you. That at the end of the day, we're not meant to follow each other as much as we're meant to follow Jesus. Amen. We're going to get it wrong. Sorry. That's how life works. As long as sin's still messing around with things, just expect it. But we still want to do better and we're still clinging to the love of our Father in heaven to help us get things right. Jesus is why we gather. Jesus is why we sing. Jesus has brought hope and, and given us a way through all of the chaos in the world. An old reference, so forgive me high schoolers, but Jesus is not just To us, he's more. I, I'm going to believe it's more to him too. But lastly, for you guys, this younger generation, I want to say this. When someone comes over to you and says hi and learns your name and maybe pray for you or share God's story with you, know this. You are on holy ground. You're on holy ground. I don't care how awkward it is. You're on holy ground. It was super awkward for me in high school. And it was well worth it. Receive that with kindness, with respect, and with honor for those people sharing with you. And cherish it. Cherish it. So we've experienced God, or at least we should be. We're engaging with the younger generation and we're elevating God. And this is going to be really short. <laughs> that last part of the psalm that we're reading, your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue and I will proclaim your greatness. I skipped that first part. You guys can read that. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor. There's a quote from uh, Charles H. Spurgeon, an old sage really for us in the US. And he said this, as the state cannot teach these holy histories, the people of God must take care to do it themselves. I think we've been waiting for someone else to do what has always been asked of us. 
by the God of the universe. No government, no, no, no governor, no, no, no local city officials. God bless all of you. I mean, a hard job, it, but this is not one of them. It's your job. To communicate God's stories, the holy history of who God is and the way he's moved through the generations, your generation, my generation, all of it. The generations and nations need to see God raised up in our lives. They need to hear us admit when we've gotten it wrong and how God is helping us to get it right. They need to see us change how we, we treat our enemies and love the annoying without any questions that's genuine. We model authenticity, not perfection. And that's a huge one for me because I'm naturally a perfectionist. Instead of checking the boxes, we need to check in with God. If they don't see us living our relationship with God out, here's my question, where will they see it? Who are they gonna see it from? So there's this really hard quote that I came across this week and read, it was super convicting and so I pass it on to you. <laughs> Evangelical Christianity in the United States is often characterized by a deep desire to have Christianity pervade our culture but not have Christ permeate our own being. That has got to change. You want that number of 80% to go down? Do the exact opposite of that. Please, please, for the love that is, for all that is holy and right and true, for the love of God and his kingdom, for the love of youth, do the opposite of that. So our youth and the nations have to hear King Jesus in us and they have to see King Jesus through us. And if we're not in that place yet, I was thinking about this, what do we do? If we haven't had an experience with God yet, how do we start? And I, and I put just a couple really simple things down. We, we like to keep it simple. Pray. How about this? Why don't you start with, I don't know, I don't know what to pray or how to pray. That's okay, I'll tell you. Why don't you pray for God to show up? And I'm not being facetious about it. I do the same thing. Why don't you just pray for God to show up? Why, pray for an experience, an encounter with the living God. And don't stop praying. And don't stop praying just because it happens. Just keep asking him for more. Just keep doing it, an everyday thing. Just keep having that experience, like keep having them fresh and new and revived and revolutionary, right? And, and revealing, just keep asking. Number two, gonna keep it simple. Grab a Bible and read it. You'll hear all kinds of God's stories. You'll start to encounter God and have experiences through the Bible. It's incredible. I, I wish I could explain all that to you, but I can't because God is other and he has his own plans and is really smart. But treat it like you're reading stories from God to you. And lastly, get to know some people who do tell God's stories and ask them your questions or, or if you don't have questions or if you have a ton of them, maybe pump the brakes a little bit 
and listen to gain some perspective. For those of you in here that are already experiencing God in your life, what the heck are you waiting for? Go talk about him. Find some people. Find the next generation and share those God stories. Don't wait any longer. We can't. This world's a mess. I don't know if you guys knew. (laughs) This place looks pretty awful right now. We need some hope injected in and infused in. And if you've got God's stories, that's how it's going to happen. So, so let's get to work. Let's do it. So this is how we're going to wrap things up. We're going to land this thing right here and right now. I like to do practical things. Uh, but before we do that, I want to remind you that this generation is, uh, is about authenticity and truth this younger generation. So here's the bonus for you and the win in that. All you have to do is be real. They're pretty easy going with that. Just be real with them. Ask any of our high school and junior high leaders, they know. So we're gonna do something right now. We're gonna ask our our seniors and our college graduates, uh, if you guys would come right up here up front. We kind of talked to them already about this, but why don't you guys come down front, just stay on the floor down here. And we're going to give our church an opportunity to put into practice what I just preached. We're going to, you guys can spread out just a little bit if you want. And yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome. Give these guys a hand. They've accomplished some big stuff. Yeah. So we've received permission for them to be prayed for. Uh, But before we get to that, uh, we'll say to our online family, uh, we love you guys. Find find somebody to share your God stories with and, um, and go with God. We appreciate you for tuning in this morning. We love you and, and may you have God encounters this morning.